Happy Hump Day, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen. Joining me, as always, Mr. Andy Mulder, and a Wednesday surprise for us, a little midweek Felica. How are you, how are you doing today, Chris? I, I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm anxiously anticipating the the uh, the visit from the uh, the, uh, the 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 blind slash drape slash curtain installer today to figure out how much I'm going to get bled out of my wallet this afternoon when my wife finally uh, figures out what we want to do in the house. So uh, I'm doing terrific. It is a window treatment Wednesday. <laughs> yes, here. Yes, oh, yes, it is. Like, oh, man. I had I had a buddy who did that once, and he told me how incredibly expensive it was because he misplaced. When he custom ordered all his blinds, he switched length and width, and they ordered blinds for the entire oh, house no. that didn't fit. And do it twice. That's a lesson oh, that can. I'm glad you, that's why you go with what Chris did there. Bring in a professional to handle that sort of stuff. Hopefully, it doesn't go nearly as bad as that. that but, that's uh, the thing. I have no idea like what I'm even like potentially expecting to spend. So I, I guess that's kind of good and bad at the same time because they could like say any number. I'd be like, yeah, okay. But, that sounds right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We just need to hit a golf out, right? That'll take care we of all do. the business. We, we we do. We we had a couple of top tens last week, and Connors made a run and didn't ultimately get there. But yeah, we'll be all right. We'll we'll get that. Anyway, so I got some Australian Open live uh, live stuff going too. That potentially could be very very good. So we'll see what happens. It's always yeah, good to I haven't build the time without football. Yeah, that, and that's that's the stinky part. Like, I miss, I love the playoffs so much, but mm-hmm. I do miss Thursday football. I don't know. I we said this yesterday, or uh, excuse me, Monday. Maybe we did say it Tuesday morning. To tell you the truth, we weren't so sure about this Monday football playoff thing. I'm not sure I loved it stretching it out that far, even though I just complained about Thursday. But I think I'm 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 going to be happy getting back to like a semi normal playoff schedule this week. But yeah, like we mentioned. The Amex kicks off tomorrow. This weekend's going to be great, by the way, for football. I can't wait. Like, I don't know if I necessarily love anything. Like, I, I can see myself once we get more injury news about the Niners. Uh, I, I can see myself getting on the Niners at six. It seems like everybody loves the Bills, and that number's come down. I can see myself betting the Chiefs at one. I could do that. I, I want no part of Rams, Bucks. Uh, because I, I think Tampa's offensive line problems could be could be a concern, yeah. and I and I I want to bet the Bengals in the worst way, but I don't know if I can ultimately. I think people are making too big of a deal of uh, of Derrick Henry coming back and really looking at that. I mean, the Titans' record in one score games, and I mean, look look at the, the the last week of the year. I mean, they were in a in a, in a brawl with the with, with the Texans. I mean, they lost to the Jets. Like I don't I don't know. I, yeah, they're a one seed in in uh in ranking only but are they really that much better than since i don't know we'll see but I, I, from a from a viewing standpoint it's going to be awesome yeah this is a solid weekend of football there's a lot of fun teams a lot of young fun quarterbacks and i mean especially the two afc matchups they can be fire so i yeah i'm kind of in the same boat i have a tampa minus two Somebody was hanging. I said, I'm just going to take this because it's going to be three in a couple hours. And it's really the only position I've taken. Like I've, like you said, waiting to hear there's some injury news that can, it could be Green Bay minus eight in a hurry if uh, some injury news doesn't go the right way for the Niners. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things to look at there. So I'll, uh, 
you know, I'll be digging into that later in the week. I haven't done any. I'm looking at your golf card here, and I feel bad because I have personally not dug in deep enough into the Amex yet. I did some small bets last week. I did some the week before. It's kind of taking it easy, like a, a, a couple outrights here, a couple matchups. But you've got uh, you've got a handful of guys you're looking at already. Yeah, I, I do. Again, if, you, if you're looking just for the easy, quick, uh, double your money type deal, I mean, Patrick Hantley, you know, finishing the top 10 at plus 110 is something that it's kind of like the no-brainer uh, pick of the week. I mean, he shot a course record uh, 61 last year on the course. He's been runner-up there. He's another top 10 finish. Like uh, in this field with the with a good portion of the top 20 and the top 50 over in Dubai, I, I can't lean to finish in the top 10. is like your quick quick picks to kind of spend some money through and, and feel kind of good about it. Uh, John Rahm, obviously a big favorite. It's hard to play him at, at that price to win just because he hasn't played much lately. Can he win? Sure, but he's like minus a thousand or something like that to make the cut. So I don't know. That, that, that's kind of insane. I don't know who'd want to lay that. But but two guys I kind of looked at that were a little further down on the uh, on the odds board. The first one was Abraham Answer, who was uh, twenty five to one and around plus two sixty or so to finish in the top ten. Uh, I would think that he's probably going to be a bit of a popular pick for some people looking to beat Rom, beat Cantley, uh, consecutive top fives uh, in, in, 20, in 20 and 21. And I know he didn't play well uh, at the Sony last week. He missed the cut, but I went back and looked and like, that's exactly what he did last year. He missed the cut at the Sony, came back to the West Coast and, and played really, really well in this event, finishing the top five. So I wouldn't read too much into his struggles out in Hawaii where the grass is different, course is different, the winds are different, everything's different. And, and then he came back and, and played a, a course that he loves. And that, and that price in top 10 is a uh, is a really good number too, I thought. So that was one. And then Tony Finau is, is another guy who is uh, 20 to one to win and like around plus 225 to finish in the top 10. Uh, another horse for course, which I think in, in the West Coast swing, that's something that I really look for are guys that traditionally play well out West. Um, he was kind of mocked and like the punching bag. And he finally got that win last year in a full field event. Um, it's the biggest question is going to be is he's just played twice uh, since Houston in November, but um, he's played with well, both top 20 finishes in the two events he did play. But again, with, with, with a good track record here, I'd be surprised if he didn't play well. So those are the, the two guys I'm really going to uh, look to try and win and beat Cantley and beat Rom with. Uh, and if you're looking for a couple of really crazier type uh, top 10s or top 20s, uh, you want to go way down the board. Uh, Adam Hadwin is someone who has had a great course history here from, from five-year span, from uh, or I should say four-year span, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19. He won T6, 2, T3, and T2. Uh, so he has a great course record here, but his form has really been off in the last year and a half or so. Uh, but if you want to take an optimistic point of view, he was tied for six at the Shriners, which was out west in, in, in Nevada uh, back in uh, November, I think that, that that tournament was. So maybe your return to the West Coast in a comfortable, familiar type setting. You can get him at around plus 550 or so to finish in the top 10 and plus 250 to finish in the top 20. And then even further down is uh, Francesco Molinari. Uh, Molinari is plus 1,200. Uh, to finish in the top 10, plus 500 to finish in the top 20. He's someone who, after that blow up uh, in, in the Masters where he hit the tree and went in the water, 
his game really, really struggled. And I think if you look at the COVID year in 2020, he had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life, like family and separated between the U.S. and Italy. He didn't play well. But he's a guy in the West Coast. If you, if you look at last year, top 10s at the Farmers, top 10s. Uh, Genesis tied for eighth last year. Uh, again, this is a guy at a big number. It, it might be worth a, uh, a half a unit or so to maybe see if he can uh, come back again in a West Coast swing and finish the top 10 or top 20. So I know I just, I just kind of on right. with, uh, gave you the column recap there. So guys certainly feel free to, uh, to chime in because I know people are tired of hearing from me. I was going to say, I love Molinari. And that year or so where he was like competing to win big tournaments was a lot of fun. I, I wonder kind of what happened to him. What'd you think of all that, Andy? I know you're a little more apt at the golf. I, I was just laughing at like Chris's horse player showing through there as he's talking about Rom, like it's the, like it's the one to two favorite on the card and the third at Santa. You know, he's talking about, here's, here's some players that I need to use to beat Rom. It's, it's just like how, how horse players talk. It's funny. And it's, it's, it's an apt comparison because Rom is quickly maybe not at the level that Tiger was in the peak of some of those betting markets, but he's quickly becoming like, Hey, Rom's in the field. He's going to be like four to one. He's going to be five to one. You're going to be able to find some value on some pretty good names who might have much lower odds. And that's kind of the way I've been approaching this in the little time I've spent on this too. It's like, how am I going to use, who am I going to use to beat Rom? And is it maybe, you know, hedging my bets with some top five, top tens when Rom is, you know, four strokes clear on Sunday and I'm feeling dumb about not doing that. So I do like the inclusion of some top 10 bets. I think that's something that was missing from my golfing betting in years past where I didn't do enough of that. It's like, man, I was right. This guy played really well. Mm -hmm. He just ran into a buzzsaw and somebody else won by three strokes. So I will, uh, and yeah, Dan is chiming in here too. There have been a lot of long shots that have won this tournament. It's a weird one with the three courses. You've got to have guys who can just, rip through La Quinta and the Nicholas course and then try to manage their game on the tough stadium course when they play yep. once during the three course rotation and once again on Sunday. So I'll probably have something out. I'll put out some picks later on today, but uh, for now I'm, yeah, I'm in the same boat as Chris is just trying to figure out a way to beat Rom here. And, that, and that's something too, that you, you mentioned the, the course rotation always, if you're looking for those first round leader, but it's like, I know a couple of people last week that had Jim Furyk uh, as a first round leader and someone had, um, uh, it was someone like, like like Henley, I think, for first round two, and then Kevin Na came and uh, in Gotham. Just make sure you look at that course rotation, and then that, that way you can try and figure out who's got the easier easier course uh, run for the uh, for the first round. Yeah, yeah, and a lot oh, yeah, like trying to figure out. Yeah, a lot like trying to figure out who to beat, like you were talking about with Rom here. That's kind of a lot how some of these tennis tournaments work. I mean, on the men's side, we're, we're missing one big name, but it's still kind of Medvedev robust. On the women's side, a little more open. It's kind of Barty, personally for me. The winner of that Barty-Osaka match is going to, I think, be in a great spot. What? But some fun names overall. Go ahead, jump in, Bear. I, I was going to say, I'd be, I, I wouldn't sell um, uh, Amanda Anisimova short against Naomi Osaka in, in that next round. Like, she... Uh, Anisimova was fantastic last night uh, against Benjamin. We'll see what um, Osaka can do moving forward. Like she, she, she played well enough to to beat an overmatched opponent in the first round. But that is a um, that, that that is a great. There are a lot of really good potential third round matchups um, in this, and one of them uh, is on the men. You you touched on the men's side, and uh, before the tournament, I got. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz at 40 to one because I knew he was in 
the uh, the Djokovic draw, and I didn't expect the Australian government to allow Djokovic to play, and, and I was right. And, and now he's down to twenty five to one, which I still think is a really good play because he's got Matteo Berrettini in the third round, and Berrettini's looked okay. Dropped a set last night uh, to to a wild card, and he was fine in his opener. But Alcaraz has been incredible in, in his first couple of matches. Like his game. The, the added strength that he's the muscle he's put on in the in the off season, um, his his serve is much better. The hard court is a, is a game is a turn is a uh, an event that he should flourish in. Like he's twenty five to one to to win the tournament. I think he's still around plus three fifty or so to win the quarter. Like if he beats Meritini in the third round, he should. He, I don't want to say he should walk to the semifinal, but he'd be in a very very good position to get to the semifinal where he would. Likely meet uh, Alex Verev, and if you're holding Alcaraz at twenty-five to one to win the win the tournament, and you can, and I mean Zverev will be favored, but you're still in a position to be able to play around with that ticket. So um, I think Alcaraz. I, I think the winner of that match, if it is Alcaraz versus Verev uh, in the semifinal, will be a, a very very live uh, play in in the final. Of course, um, you've got. Uh, Medvedev on the other side, looking for to win his second consecutive slam. But but Zverev at plus three hundred or so, three thirty or so, was the other guy I would look at playing to win the event on the uh, on the men's side. Yeah, I had some Berrettini pre-tournament. I think you're right. The winner of this match is in a really good spot. Either way, you know, if you've got some Alcaraz there, some Zverev, you're holding a nice kind of combined plus money ticket on mm-hmm. whoever the you know the finalist is on the top half. And I think it's going to be tough to go against Medvedev. I actually backed him a little bit pre-tournament because you know, like you said, that that price started to move around. We weren't sure if Novak was going to play, and then the draw came out, and everybody else was in Novak's half anyway, and they left the Medvedev price at like plus one fifty, plus sixty. So I like kind of what you're doing there. Did you have any outrights on the men's side, Andy? I can't remember if you sprinkled some any away in the background. Like you said, the same thing was like, well, Medvedev is, what's Medvedev's number if this visa application doesn't go through? So I took a little of that just basing like, this number doesn't get worse ever. The only way this number can go is is the right way for me. So I do have a small stake in Medvedev, but mostly my, mostly my women's outrights that uh, you put me on. And then I, I think it was, Krenjikova, some Iga, and a couple more that are sitting uh, sitting okay. So Krenjikova, well, Iga, and Rybakina is what we started with there. Yeah, a bunch that's of that's what stuff. I ended up with there. And yeah, before Iga, we jump to the women, you just had Medvedev to win the quarter at two fifty. That makes sense. I mean, it's juicy, but you put all those prices together, you don't get to two fifty. Yeah, I did. I did the exact same thing because he'll be greater than a two fifty favorite, I would think, in that quarterfinal. And if you want to get off it, you'll be able to probably find yourself a little bit name your profit i would think um depending on who he would draw in that in that quarterfinal match but i'm I'm glad you mentioned Ega because you're talking about winning quarters as well like you can still get her at around plus 175 or so to win her quarter and like that it's funny i've got in in one of my uh connecticut based apps here like i've just been getting like free bets like due to what what i'm churning and like every single day i just keep it every free bet i get I'm like betting Iga to win her quarter. I'm like, I'm like, that. why is she plus money? With like, like Sabalenka is like a head case, and that was one of the plays I actually liked tonight. That that Sabalenka Wang match um, over 19 and a half games. I mean, Sabalenka looked like she was in jeopardy of losing that first round match, and she finally got her serve together. But 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 Wang, I, I think can can hang around there and at least get it to a couple of uh, 
maybe a tie break, maybe a 6-4 or a 7-5 step. So if you're looking at Higa versus Sabalenka in the quarter, I mean, Higa's going to be a massive favorite, I would think, in that match. And I'd have her to win as well. I played her 12-1 to pre-tourney. I was a little late uh, to the party there uh, because you could have gotten her at around 16 or 18 earlier. Um, I know everyone, you know, Barty's been great. Um, I, I just wonder at some point, maybe the fact that the crowds aren't huge might help her, but but I, I think at some point there might be a um, a psychological deal and a pressure deal trying to win this slam uh, in her home country, something that no one's done, no Aussie's done on the women's side for, for quite some time now. And the, and the other person, I think, on the women's side, the, the other women woman that I played uh, to win it out where I played Iga, uh, was Garbina Muguruza. I, I think she's gone completely under the radar here. Uh, you can still have her at around plus 12 or 13 to 1 to win. She had match points against Osaka last year, uh, who, who wanted to went on to win. Uh, she had a great year last year. She's healthy now. Uh, she's been playing fantastic. And, and I would like uh, her draw potentially uh, as well. But so I think she's someone who you can still get. I think there's the least difference between her pre-tournament price and her tr- price right now. So I, I think Muguruza is flying a little bit underneath the, uh, the the radar of both the betting public and the odds makers right now. She, she's a great player. You yeah, got, you got I, I love Sweetante. You've got to have the power to beat someone like Barty or Iga. And I think both Iga and and Muguruza would be, would be two people that I would really like their chances if they do wind up facing Barty or Osaka. Yeah, I like Sriantec. I mean, if Osaka does win here, it'd be her first time she ever defended a title. Obviously, it doesn't happen a lot in the Grand Slam stage of things. We're a little spoiled on the men's side, maybe a little too used to that. But I like both of those picks, I will say. Rybakina, though, was the name that I had picked out in that third quarter. Muguruza has been playing some great tennis, but I'm curious to see how she does. As she gets older, the later she gets into tournaments, the things fall apart just a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think Sriantec's a great pick. I like that quite a bit. And then the name I have in the top half was Krejcikova. I think she just continues to win and kind of the variety of her game from all that doubles and just the mental advantage, honestly, that she has of having, you know, half a dozen Grand Slams already as a doubles player. I mean, playing like this is kind of old hat for her, even though singles is obviously a little different, but I like everything you've got there. It's it's, it's amazing. I'm glad you mentioned the double because, I, I mean, I've she's talked about it. Coco Golf has talked about it, like playing the doubles and how much that has really impacted and improved and helped uh, their singles game. So, yeah, it's the a great double it's it certainly now is it's good to see it translate to her being a uh, a very very good singles player yeah and uh yeah to to kind of close the book on the australian angle too like that's something that's going to get mentioned the deeper barty gets it's like this will be the first <laughs> I, I had to go check i couldn't I'm, I'm i just assumed it was margaret cord it was not it was someone called gosh chris o'neill 1978, the last Australian woman to win the the home tournament. Everyone here, knows so. that. Chris O'Neill, and I feel like why well, <laughs> in in Australia they probably do, and it's probably going to get mentioned a lot in the media, and she's going to get asked that question. Mm-hmm. And there is a little bit of pressure from uh, the home crowd to to come through and be the first champion in geez, 50 years, 50 plus years. If that's or 40, my math is not good. Let's call it 40. 44. 44 <laughs> a long time. I, I really pumped up that math there. I was. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Wait, wait, that's what we do. We do. We deal in numbers and math, so we're, we're all, all good. There, there we'll were. There were like, you, you talked about the pressure, and like the bet the last bet as well. There was one other uh, 
match tonight that I did like was uh, Donka Kovinic uh, getting the five and a half games uh, against Emma Raducanu. Again, she she looked she won the U.S. Open, had that magical run, and then fall swing. Whether it was the end of an emotional year with a lot of pressure, she hasn't been the same dominant type player since then. Maybe she'll ramp it up now, but she kind of struggled in her opener, which is to be expected. But I, but I think Kavinich plus five and a half games, it, uh, even money, is something that um, I would look at tonight. Yeah, I like that. I was kind of leaning that way. It's just so tough for me to handicap Emma, given you know she basically had only played two tour level matches before last year, and then just kind of rips through. I mean, had a good Wimbledon, played a nice little grass season too before you know that U.S. Open run. So I mean, it wasn't just kind of the U.S. Open title, but it's hard to take those three months and look at everything else around it and figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah, she's a she's a difficult problem to handle. That's the beauty, especially we're still in the first week here. There's so many matches to look at. So I'll probably have I'll have some ATP out later today. I haven't had a chance to break everything down today. I went one and one last night. The my dog didn't cover, so no harm, no fall for me last night. Just a I don't know who your dog was, but was it Oscar Ote? No, I I I ended up piling on the a bad number on Mackenzie. Uh, okay. There. Yeah, because I, I like every everyone I know seems to have had like Oscar Ote last night, and like it was oh yeah, I had bad Oscar Ote. I'm like okay, like everyone had him, so there there was clearly some type of metric or statistic or something uh, uh, where there was a big discrepancy between what what, what they felt the rate the ratings between Ote and what the uh, the price had. So, but but good, you I'm glad you did that lose with Ote. I, and I didn't watch the last the match I lost. It happened at like two in the morning, so it was nice. Like the one I won, I got to go to bed with the winner, knowing like, hey, worst case we break even, and then you wake up. <laughs> yeah, Congrats I, to Riley. Riley Opelka looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. Um, honestly, some problems from Kep. Like Kepfer looked worse than Riley Opelka looked good, but Opelka was good enough to get the straight set win for me there, and we'll be back at her tonight. Yeah, I, I was mad at myself because instead of instead of playing Kikmanich to win the match. He just took them plus the five and a half games. And I mean, it could have gone either way with tie breaks involved there, but uh, felt like I, I let one get away there, but not just taking him out. Right. Got to sprinkle the money. Yeah. Oh, a little sprinkle never hurts. So, all right. Well, we wish you the best of luck with all your tennis tonight and Thank throughout you. the fortnight. And hopefully you can catch yourself an outright in the golf market too. Like I said, I'll have some stuff out later, but uh, you can find the bear at Chris Felica on Twitter. I'm sure he'll be talking about just about every other sport there is to bet. We'll maybe we'll be able to um, even throw a big five out there, Gulfstream or something. Who knows? Yeah, there's there's always some horse content too. So <laughs> we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Have a good one. Take care, guys. Have a great week. All right. Like I said, my ATP is not ready. It's I'm still baking that, but Alex obviously puts him in in the app already, and he's got a handful here, and we'll we'll head right to it. Felica already gave one out. We have an unexpected Felica consensus. We'll get to that yeah, shortly. So, uh, Begu plus one ninety, the first one here. Just grabbing her on the money line. She goes against Elise Merton, someone who is a, a pretty solid tour veteran, but the last year or so having kind of not a rapid decline, but a slow and steady decline. Begu, I think someone's been very underrated on hard courts. Has played some nice tennis down under here. I have this much closer to kind of plus 150 for Begu. So anything plus 180 or better looks good for me there. Uh, Kenepi Buzkova, um, over 21. This is a match uh, over 20 and a half, I'm sorry. There's
there's some 21s out there. 21 at standard juice is fine. 20 and a half at minus 120 or better looks good. This is a match I would have lined at 21 and a half, a juicy 21 and a half. I might have even contemplated a 22 here. Both of these women's women play very long sets. Um, you go back and look at their history. There's been at least a set of seven, five or seven, six in each one of those matches. Um, just the style of play and both of them here. There's a decent chance we see see three sets here, but just really like this total much better than the three set price that I saw. So over 20 and a half, over 21 at standard juice looks good. And then the Sabalenka Wang Jinyu match, I not only took the over 19 and a half, like Mr. Felika suggested, I'm going to take the plus five with Wang. Uh, she's plus 350 to win the match, which is actually pretty close to where I have it. But the spread, if I was hanging, it would be closer to four, honestly. So to get across four and a half, to even get the five here at standard juice looks pretty good. Again, the 19 and a half, I have this at 20 and a half maybe even 21 as you start to tweak some stuff Sabalenka does still look vulnerable but part of the up and down nature of her game means at a moment's notice she can kind of snap into some form here so 6-4-6-4 looks pretty solid to me again if Wong can steal a set here it'll look pretty good don't mind anybody sprinkling the money line but that looked just about right to me and the last one here um daniel collins playing anna Kanyu. this is i think we're going to see either two long sets probably three should be a very competitive match i do think collins ultimately wins it i do this is kind of one of the rare situations where the money line on Kanyu is right around plus 180 maybe a touch of value there i would have it right around plus 160 but even at that kind of a, a disparaging money line it's still a much higher total than what we're seeing here 20 and a half 21 looks good to me this should be 21 and a half and then over two and a half sets anything plus 150 or better looks good not related to phil collins i just looked that up sadly no not the same family I mean, you know there's some famous families in tennis the pagula and things of that nature um college hoops bets real quick three and three yesterday a very disappointing ending in the middle of the day a team falling down six with four seconds to lose by eights. I got the eight. Some people probably got some eights for the push. I'm guessing most got the seven and a half, and that had to be heartbreaking. Hurt my heart. Not a good way to start the day, but <clears throat> a couple of the underdogs came through, got one of my totals, but kind of just another ho-hum day as we spray the board again with G-Wash. This one's moving too. This was 10 when I Washington. clicked it, nine and, nine and a half with the, uh, when, I, when I ended up placing the bets. So I was a little mad I lost a half point by being a little slow this morning, but George Washington plus nine and a half back to the USC, USC upstate plus 12 and a half. That's a, a team I've backed a couple times here. I'm, I'm going to until they start falling apart and these numbers get adjusted. Uh, Drake overs. I'm not sure how that's done for me, but those are something I've uh, targeted a few times. A so Drake over 136, Illy State, Mizzy State over 147. CSU here stands for Charleston Southern. I'm just trying to save some space. Charleston Southern, high point. I hope the high point in the scoring is 137 because I took under 137 and a half. <clears throat> Radford and Hampton, under 132 and a half. And then finally Campbell, a lot of big South action today. Campbell and Longwood over 129. Not a whole lot to say about those, mostly because... We've already been on the air for 28 minutes, and I'm ready to just get to the NBA. Jump into some basketball, a very, very big slate here. Well, I guess some professional basketball. Andy was just talking about basketball, but huge slate in the NBA tonight. Again, only two games last night, so a couple big slates. 
kind of sandwiched around them. Start with the Atlanta Hawks minus two. This is actually, it looks like it's hovering at one and a half. There's still some twos somewhere. They host um, a Minnesota Timberwolves team that got the team total over for us last night, but, you know, played a lot of minutes, really exerted a lot of energy there. You could see how excited they were to win in New York. I think this is a really nice letdown spot for them. It's a terrible schedule spot for them. The Hawks quietly getting healthy. You know, I think they're still going to be without Clint Capella tonight, but they have enough, you know, talent, not only in the starting lineup, but I think um, finally kind of the Hawks being healthy. And I know Dan wants to fade them, but I have to. I got to I gotta back them here. I think the second unit's going to do really nice. Feels like a Kevin Herter game, if that means anything to anybody. But I have this closer to four and a half, not quite five. So Hawks minus two or better looks pretty good to me. The Cleveland Cavaliers minus three. I, I don't, this one's kind of funky. I don't know if I'm missing something or maybe somebody else is missing something here, but uh, the Chicago Bulls don't really have a guards left. Um, Caruso's out. Levine is out. Lonzo Ball is out. Yes, they have some other players, of course, but um, not really of much consequence. Um, I'm happy to go here with a, a Cavs team that looks like they're healthy. Um, you know, Darius Garland's been kind of beat up a little bit, but I believe he's going to be all right tonight. Either way, you know, with Mobley, with Jared Allen, this Cavaliers team has just been one of the best teams in the league this year. Happy to back them at a small number. Again, anything minus three or better. And then the Mavericks I kind of went back and forth on this one. The Mavericks just ripping through the NBA the last five to seven games and being priced at some just outrageously big numbers. I mean, they we got the Thunder cover 11 and a half for us the other night in a game that I couldn't really get out to deep more than six without making some really big adjustments here, but showing some value on them. And I think a lot of it's derived from the fact that the Raptors continue to really struggle outside of Toronto. Um, kind of the end of a road trip for them, a tough spot. I think the Mavs put one on them tonight. Again, I had this closer to seven or eight myself. So Hawks minus two, Cavs minus three, Mavs minus four, and what is a very nice and neat organized looking slide. I liked it. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you wanted something to bet tonight, there you go. You've got golf. Just a few You've things. got tennis. You've got women's tennis. I like how I said tennis and women's tennis. Men's tennis and yeah, women's tennis. Right. That didn't feel very inclusive of me. That felt bad. Um, you've got college basketball. You got NBA. Yeah, they say just tennis and then women's tennis. It is funny. A lot of books won't say like men's college basketball. It's NCAA basketball and then women's w NCAA basketball. We're going to have to go change the world on that one. But uh, with that, I do ask you to like, subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz, especially if you're in the YouTube. Hit me with the thumbs up. We'll catch you here tomorrow. Enjoy the afternoon AFCON.